0: Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, Day 50. Now I realise that technically Day 51 is the halfway point through a 100 Day Challenge, but we started on Day 0, if you remember. The day without an exercise. So today is officially the hinge, the pivot point, the crux, fulcrum, acute angle, winch, rack and pinion, jeu de change, coeur de nuit, halfway house, demi-barn, crossover shed, midnight in the garden of good and evil, regional transport hub of the course... Every day, every moment, every word from this point onwards no longer represents a desperate trudge up the mountain but a triumphant lollop back down the other side. After today you will have more work behind you, more work banked from this course than you will have left to complete. On purely teleological terms you're merely wiping round the edge of your soup bowl with a bit of bread, mopping up the last flavoursome dribbles of literary goodness before, um, uh, before, before, oh, uh, well... Before what? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because although I call this course the 100 day writing challenge, as if it were an obstacle to be overcome, and then well done, you've defeated the big pedagogical writing ogre, the village is safe, enjoy your retirement, actually, I hope you're coming to see that what we're about here is much more than a lone victory isolated in time that you stick on your shelf and forget about there. I did the challenge. Good for me. A lot of talk around writing, especially in how-to books or on the internet, that wonderful place of dancing, singing flowers and uh, moonbeams, revolves around goal setting. What are your targets? What word counts do you want to hit this week? What do you want to achieve? So here's the thing, and you might find what I'm about to say a bit controversial you might not agree with me. That's fine. I'm not going to brainwash you. I don't have that power. If I did, then I would simply dispense with this with, the, with, the, with this uh, explanation beforehand and I would just tell you why I want you to think and that would be the end of it. However, unfortunately, I have to use my powers of logic and persuasion. But look, we can still continue this relationship if you disagree with me on this particular point. As I've said before, I don't need you to sort of buy into any particular uh, sort of precedent or concepts, but I just want to lay out a proposition for you based on conclusions I've come to after a long time thinking upon this and observing it in the dozens of authors who I've had the privilege of talking to and interviewing on this very podcast. Jam doesn't exist. It's a it's a conspiracy. Now I'm joking. That's not the controversial thing. That's it. Just- just sort of like inoculating you against the shark right so here's my proposition goals are a poor way to motivate yourself they generate a lot of stress a lot of dissatisfaction where you compare how you are now to this putative future state you want to achieve ah you might say sort of leaping to the defense of goals because they've been so kind to you in the past what about how when they inspire us you know like when we think of goals and we go "Ooh," and we feel all warm and want to float towards them well even then you're still being taken out of the pleasures available to you in the moment and uh, our attention is being drawn away from the opportunities of the now towards an imagined far-off future actually picturing this beautiful finished story and the benefits we might reap from having written it is likely to give you a real jolt when you come back to your blank page or your scrappy first draft or fragment of a first draft or when you have to face difficult questions about what comes next in the story. When you have that goal primary in mind, it creates a pretty stark contrast between the cartoonish pornography of our imagined victory and the imperfect lumpy humanity of being a writer today now working on this sentence. There's a famous quotation, commonly attributed to Dorothy Parker, although there's no evidence of her ever having said it, that goes, I hate writing, but I love having written. A lot of writers repeat words to the same effect, I think under the impression that in doing so and in feeling that way, they're more authentic authors. Uh, You know, like, look at me, I'm having a horrible time, just like everyone else. I don't believe I have to say this out loud. But... You know, and I think this actually shows how poisoned the culture around writing has become and how little people actually responsibly examine it and what we say and the assumptions we have. But here's a thing. It shouldn't be controversial, but it is. If you hate writing, something has gone wrong. If you love writing, it will be easier. You will do more of it. And because you do more of it, you will gain more experience. And because you gain more experience, your writing will get better. If you hate writing, something has gone wrong. Hating doing your writing is not just a condition to just snowplough through. I'm having a horrible time. Well, fuck my feelings. The book comes first. Well, how? Look, honestly, how well do you think that's going to work? How well has it worked in the past? You know, we wouldn't be here if, if if you if all your strategies that you've used so far have worked perfectly, right? Let's be honest, right here. Let's just sort of like, <laughs> you know, this is me sitting backwards on my chair, and we can have some real talk here. We, you and I can. It's just us two here talking, right? So let's be honest. How well do you think snow through your feelings is going to work? Declaring war on yourself. Treating yourself like your own shitty, low-paid, disposable employee. Uh, excuse me, you say. I'm hating doing this. Well, you say back, that's because you're an awful, lazy, wretched, incompetent person. So how about this? Do the task and do it to an exceptional standard. Otherwise, you're of no value and all your dreams will be snatched away. Okay? How does that how does that sound like even the remotely best strategy available to us when we sit down to write? But, oh, you say, surely when I reach my goals, then, then I'll find peace. So what you're really doing is taking out a little mortgage on your well-being, right? You're going, well, look, 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 I, I'm going to feel crappy now, but it's in service of this noble final goal. Surely that is the, the essence of maturity and a sensible way to live our life, right? It's self-denial now. And a big pile of happiness jam tomorrow well my response to is to ask you my classic question that I return to again and again in the course how's that been working out for you so far the instant you complete a goal it moves into the past it just drifts into the past you've trained yourself to attend all all of the time leading up to achieving that goal you've trained yourself to attend to unfinished things right to stuff undone to problems, mistakes, things that are going to prevent you reaching that goal, tasks yet to be done, gaps between the imagined future and where you are now, right? Well, guess what? You do stuff every day. You maintain a mindset day after day after day after day. It becomes a habit. And the moment the goal is no longer a goal because you finish it, either your motivation collapses or more likely your motivation, your attention immediately jumps to the next goal and the pain and the dissatisfaction starts all over again. In fact, because you've completed your big goal, your attention immediately snaps to the next big goal. So the experience of completing a big goal is actually to find yourself the furthest you could possibly be from a goal. Because now, you're at the very, 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 very beginning of the next novel or whatever. So actually, the experience of completing a book, and I'm telling you this from experience, and I'm telling you this from the experience of all the others I've talked to, is you think, oh, I'm going to hit that book, I'm going to finish my novel, and then I'm going to go, whoa. No, you just start thinking about the next one, and because it's not you haven't even started it yet, you are immediately plunged into that sense of dissatisfaction, and you are months, years away from satisfying it. Of course, there may also be a voice inside you that says, why bother? Not unreasonably, right? What really are the chances of you achieving that far-off lofty goal you've set yourself? And is the effort worth it? Is the gamble worth it? Because it is a gamble, right? It is. Let's not lie about this. If your focus is that end state, let's say publication of a novel that you've written, you do not have absolute control over that. That's just a fact. That's not that's not that's not a proposition you don't have absolute control over that you have some influence sure you definitely can move you can adjust the probabilities but there are a series of choices along the way that simply aren't yours to make and I want to suggest to you that the goals we choose I think even a word like choose implies too much agency a lot of the time we just kind of like a light on a lot of these goals and then they seem inevitable, and we feel like we chose them, and we really didn't. A lot of the goals we latch onto won't get us the things we actually deeply need. Goals are often driven by a desire for social approval or to paper over some lack of self acceptance deep inside. Goals are finite and rigid. That in itself is going to generate a huge amount of anxiety. There's usually a lot of if then thinking around goals we set ourselves as well. You know, if I become a published author, then I'll feel good about my writing. If I write 10,000 words this week, then I'll be able to relax. And that does a couple of things. One, it frames where you are now as somehow wrong, inadequate, incomplete. You know, you are in minus 10,000 words at the beginning of a week. That's the state you start a week in, is this kind of like diminished fail state that you've got to this kind of original sin that you've got to kind of work your way out of right there's a piece missing from your life something needs fixing two it gives you this rigid all or nothing task one path to safety to relief get the novel published write the ten thousand words there are no options there it's just a kind of like it's just a task being handed down to you that you do is do or die, right? Anything that threatens your achieving those goals, legitimate or not, you know, you have a cold. Makes it much harder to do the task that week. Someone you find hugely attractive says, hey, do you want to come round mine for dinner? You know, the unquiet dead rise gibbering from their graves and seek vengeance on the living. Anything that interrupts, delays or otherwise jeopardises those goals, those rigid do or die goals you set yourself, becomes a source of stress, of suffering, a trigger for thoughts about how life is unfair and you are a bad person. That doesn't seem super healthy to me. And it seems to me that like a lot of those things that threaten those goals are, are just to what life is being a human made of meat in the world surely those things are going to come up all the time so now you've set yourself in conflict with life wow you know and so you mute it these goals you know you bury it you 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 turn away from those thoughts of being a bad person about how it just makes you feel gross so so you try and shut them down and in doing so you 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 shut down your thoughts about the goals themselves because they make you feel like crap right like so you, you just feel defeated and bad and you don't write I mean tell me I'm wrong all right, Tim, I hear you cry. What's the alternative? You know, assuming that I've, I've sort of beaten you down with that or, you know, you're not entirely convinced, but you're like, right, you must be setting something up here, Tim. You're not just making this kind of like big rhetorical forced march for nothing just for the sake of it. You know, what? go on then. What's your, what's your solution then, Tim? Because I, I I'm, I'm doing this because it's the only way I know how. I'm not doing it because I like suffering. I'm doing it because it's the only way I know how. Fine. Let's assume you're still here listening to me hold forth on matters literary and it's been 50 days straight. Um, You know, I'm really grateful that you're still here and maybe I don't need to treat you so much like an adversary when I'm talking to you. Um, I don't mean to sound so antagonistic. It's, you know, maybe for rhetorical purposes, but assuming you're still here and you're still listening to me and you've done the exercises, I will proceed with the assumption that I've earned enough goodwill for you to at least entertain the possibility that I might have some helpful knowledge to pass on. Something of instrumental use to you that you can apply and see better results than what you've been getting. So I'm not going to hand down any absolutes to you today. Uh, uh, Like I've said in previous days, writing has norms, not rules. But I do have a short exercise I'm going to ask you to do in a moment which might help to give you a few more options you know just help you step back from that cycle of chasing down goals never feeling satisfied avoiding work guilt and then burnout what we're going to do a little work on today comes from a therapeutic modality called acceptance and commitment therapy or act it's reasonably well evidenced at the moment it has plenty of research behind it but i'm not a licensed therapist i'm not your therapist and what i'm doing here isn't therapy per se it's just borrowing some of the framework from that modality uh as one way of slicing this particular pickle and like when i brought up uh hp grice's uh, conversational maxims i'm also not like choosing act as my therapeutic hill to die on and saying this is the one true way of understanding the human condition i'm not i just think having these frameworks uh, especially if they're a bit different to how you've seen something before can shake something loose even if you end up reacting against them i thinking that's nonsense then in doing so you are forced to create your own sort of structural meaning and the lens of interpretation and uh that explanatory frame can be really useful to you as well so it, it, it's sort of like think of it more as a kind of chew toy or conversation starter um a question rather than an answer so one thing act does is emphasize the importance of values over goals values in act are aren't finite they're not something you can achieve either like you know so a goal would be like write a number one bestseller a value is more like a direction you travel in like east it's something you move towards and never reach or, or maybe like or another way of thinking of it is like a, a state you in, you choose to embody a value is something you can describe with verbs and adverbs that is to say words that describe actions and words that describe how we do those actions so to give you an example a value might be um listening kindly It's not something that you can complete, right? I've heard a friend for five minutes. That's me done. No more listening for me. Tick, listening kindly off the list, move on. It's also something that's sort of instantaneous. Like it happens in the now. Like once you start doing it, you're doing it. You're living that value. So I've also heard this summed up in the dictum, uh, life is managed, not cured. Uh, But what motivates you to manage life? What makes the management meaningful and directs the ways in which you manage it are values another way act describes this work it's like tending a garden that's a, a metaphor that's uh, the, the therapists using act are quite fond of there's no perfect place to start no season that doesn't have advantages and disadvantages you know it, but every season has work right you just have to pick a patch of soil and you get digging you work with what you've got where you are if you're too perfectionist about it and you want to do it perfectly you'll never get started and it and it's not always easy tending a garden right there can be frustration in the moment and setbacks and distractions and the work is never ending you never like complete a garden you never win gardening and it kind of like you get a little ending screen and the credits roll and then the garden disappears and that's kind of what's beautiful about it as well right is you never cuz if that happened the game would be over but overall tending a garden, your own patch of land, it it offers satisfaction because you're choosing to participate in something that's important to you. I wonder, like, if you chose to approach your creative life like that, what it would feel like. In fact, perhaps you could take a moment to think of a time in your life when, you know, you felt really alive and and I'm really engaged in a pleasurable way you know you were doing something and you might have felt excited totally absorbed even if the activity was difficult i spoke to a psychologist uh recently who talked about um doing he he was he was doing rock climbing under a waterfall and he felt absolutely absorbed with it In the moment. He was really scared. (laughs) He was really scared. Uh, With all this water crashing down. And he was moving from rock to rock. Um, But he felt totally focused. In the moment. I have to say when I've. I went swimming. Doing open water swimming in the river. And it was. I went down. On a day when it was. Minus two. Was the air temperature. And. The grass was icy and kind of crunching under my feet, and I could see the there were bramble bushes by the edge of the water, and where the sun was streaming golden through the clouds, sort of vapor was rising up in these great kind of bushels from the brambles. And I stripped down to my box, to my not boxer shorts. I was wearing that would be a weird thing to do. I was wearing swimming trunks, uh, swimming shorts. And, uh, sorry, I was giving you a visual you probably didn't want. And, um, and I stripped down to my swimming shorts and I just went into the water. There were people running a race (laughs) through the park and I heard someone shout, oh my God, which made me feel really satisfied, right? But I went into the very, very cold water. And in many ways, like, it was painful, (laughs) like, It was literally painful. And it was literally uncomfortable. And it was also one of the peak experiences of my life. It was something I cared about. I wanted to try doing this thing that didn't feel easy. I mean, also, I was just like a middle-class person going into a body of water that wasn't a bit colder than is comfortable. I mean, I wasn't going over the top at Passchendaele. Like, let's put this into perspective, but... I was very in my body, didn't feel worried, didn't feel stressed, was aware that I'd chosen to do something that wasn't easy. And it felt good. You know, discomfort, something being difficult, something even causing us pain. Depending on how we're oriented towards it, depending on whether it's something that is valuable to us, that can make all the difference, actually. Like Those things can be fine, even enriching, if the thing is something we care about. Now, you might not value or care about diving into a body of freezing cold water at all, in which case that experience would have just been like torture to you. And that's fine. That's not like my moral superiority to you, but there might be a situation in that is very valuable to you, in which... Undergoing some challenging moments or difficulties would feel very enriching and part of the experience, and something you'd want to embrace about it. You know. So you know, I want to have a think. If you can think of something you've done in your life where you felt, you know, absorbed and excited and enthusiastic and very present, even when the activity was difficult, you know, can you think of a times in your life or a time when that happened, you know, you were doing it not because you thought maybe people will accept me if I do this, you know, not because you thought. I should do this to prove I'm a worthwhile person, not because you thought if I do this then sometime down the line in a month or a year or two years from now I'll be rewarded with money and recognition. You did it for intrinsic reasons, for the reward of the task itself. You know that could be anything from baking a cake, knitting, uh, painting a sort of lead miniature, it could be doing a bit of Work on the back of your house, you know, sweeping the garden, reading to a nephew, going for a run, a walk, cleaning your car. Those things can all be part of it, you know. When we set as a goal, finish a novel. For a start, finish a novel is not an activity that your brain and body can execute, right? Because there is no one action you can take that finishes a novel. You can write a sentence. That's an executable command. Finish a novel isn't. So immediately there's a gulf between this abstract task that you've set yourself as a goal and your ability to execute. You know, there's there's nothing in there that is like, what's the one good action I can immediately take? Doesn't exist. So finish a novel is also, is you know, is just, it doesn't matter how specific you are. Finish a uh, 1, uh, 110,000 word novel. Seems super specific. Um, still not helpful because you cannot execute it in there's no what's the next action right but when we set as a goal finishing novel we place our focus on the activities end rather looking at ways we can enjoy and appreciate it while it's still around you know one of my favorite bits and I'm sorry to talk about my own work again but I can talk about it without fear of creating copyright violations because it's mine and I own the copyright one of my favorite bits in My novel, The Honours, is when Mr Groot says of Delphine's father, he's sulking because he's realised his painting doesn't need him anymore. Once the story's done, you can't play in that world anymore. It's nice you completed it, you know, like a jigsaw or seeing your child through their teenage years and waving them off at university, but my goodness, just imagine waking up every morning and making those things your goal rather than playing without a rush, or loving bravely and wholeheartedly. Imagine bringing up a child and thinking, I can't wait till I wave them off at university. That's my goal. That's the aim I'm looking for every day. You'd miss it. You'd miss the point of it. Even though its prolific literary career offers just a handful, just a handful of novel finished moments, compared to a long long life spent writing. So I ask you again, and I think this might be the most important question you ever ask yourself about your work. What do you value? This is what I'd like you to spend the next 10 minutes reflecting on please. Here are some questions that you might like to consider as you write your thoughts. What's really important to you in your writing? You you can note these down if you want, but uh, if you just want to sort of take them on board and then write about whatever you like, that's absolutely fine as well. So what's really important to you in your writing? What actions would you want your creative life to embody if it was going to feel meaningful and fulfilling? Think a bit about those verbs and adverbs I talked about, you know, those values you can't finish, but that exist as a compass point qualities that you can step into almost immediately you know what happens when your creative work manifests those qualities what happens when it doesn't you know what does it feel like if your creative life and your writing were a journey based on values instead of goals what do you think it might look like what might it feel like that's it that's your task today you've got 10 minutes to journal on this subject, what's really important to you in your writing? What do you value? Good luck. And that's it. That's time. I, I I don't have anything to add today, except that you might like at some point to read back through what you've written today to reflect on it and to see if it feels true to you. It's just something to consider. OK, thank you for your work and commitment. Um, I know today's went a bit long and I don't intend for the course to get longer and longer as it goes on. I just this was, again, one that I thought was worth a little extra effort. Thank you. I see you tomorrow the 100 day writing challenge is made possible with the kind support of arts council england